And so I reckon in our world there's a lot of pressure on our young people to figure out exactly what they want to do with their life. I mean, if you've, if you've parented kids through HSC, you probably understand the stresses involved in what am I going to study? What am I going to do? What's up, what, what do I want to do with my university? In fact, what do I actually want to do with my life? What do I want to do with my university? What subjects do I have to do to get there? And it all starts, it goes back to year 10 or, subject, or year 11, and it's a complex scenario. And um, some people have an incredibly clear pathway for them. You know, some people know exactly what they want to do. They know exactly where they want to go. They know exactly what marks they need, the ATAR they need, and they will set their mind uh, to achieve that end. Uh, however, that I don't. My experience is that's not the majority. I think the majority of people, certainly for me, um, most of us go through our schooling with some sense of uncertainty, hoping to somehow, maybe, somehow land into a career or the right course. Uh, doing something we're vaguely interested in, hoping to find when that all works out and pans out that somehow we're doing what God wants us to do. You know, we're, we, we, we've got some value or some meaning to the life that we had. And uh, my, my opinion is on the whole, at the age of 17 or 18, we, we barely have a handle on actually who we are in ourselves. Uh, what makes us tick? What, what, where, where do we fit into this complex thing called life? Um, and as I said, and, and as Christians, we got the world is trying to figure life out, trying to figure pathways and careers and all that. But as Christians, we make it harder because then we have the God factor. We go, what is it that God has called me to do? Who's ever wrestled with that question? I reckon that most of us wrestle with that question. Um, and so it's not just the young people that are studying and trying to figure out careers and lifestyles and, and, and choices and, and directions. It's not just them. I think uh, for all of us, we all wrestle with that to some extent. Out of all the possibilities and careers of life, what am I called to do? And, and then what happens if I miss it? What happens if I miss the right subject or, or, or wife or husband or, or, or partner? Well, just stick with those, those two. If I, if, I, if I miss the right opportunity at the right university or the right pathway or the right... What about, do, do I miss it? Do I, do, I, do I get another chance? Am I going to miss what God, God's called for me to do? And we wrestle with this. And if, if, if you are... Well, if I ask for a show of hands, I reckon most of us would wrestle have wrestled, will wrestle with this. What does God want me to do? And sometimes we, look, we can look at some other people and go, man, they've got it all worked out. Some people already know what they're going to do at uni. They've already got their accommodation plan. They've already got their pathway. Their, they've got their whatever. You look at them and you go, man, you, you, you've got it all worked out. And they all seem to be settled. And how does that make us feel? Well, maybe we feel frustrated. Maybe we feel insufficient. I mean, these guys know what they're doing, but I'm still trying to figure out who I am. And so we look at others and we, and we can easily feel that, that we are second rate or, or haven't got it all together. Or maybe we even feel that we're, we're not as spiritual as some because, you know, they're, 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 they're sorting this stuff out. Anyone resonating with some of these thoughts? Because no matter what age it is, we can get to this place where we're trying to figure out where do I fit in to this complex thing called life? 
And so over this week and next week, I want to uh, stretch and rattle your hearts and minds a little bit. Because I do believe, I do believe that God calls, there, I believe there is a calling, that God, yeah, God calls pastors and, and missionaries and, and evangelists, I, I believe God calls them. But I also believe that God calls accountants and engineers and scientists and athletes and runners and teachers and nurses and doctors and painters and musicians and, and movie makers and authors. God call, I believe also God calls all of those people. Social workers, builders, athletes. Calling helps us understand, I'm going to expand on this a little bit this morning. Calling helps us to understand how God uniquely made me with my unique gifts and talents and passions and interests and how God places us into this complex world that we live in to represent Him and to influence and shape those around us. Um, I wonder, there's a book I'm just going to put the title on. I was going to grab it from my home, but it was lost in one of my boys' bedroom. Um, the book uh, by John Mark Comer is called Garden City. Uh, that slide should be up, thanks, Pete. Um, Michelle, you listened to this book in Hawaii. You take, how was the book? It's a great book. And so I, I want to encourage you, this is a book that I think is, is uh, helpful as I try to understand the, what God calls us, the concept of work, the theology of work, what is, what is God calling me to do, what has God created me to do, and how can God use me in the world that he's placed me in. That's a brilliant book. It's an audible if you would rather listen. Who's a listener? In, I, I listen to my books. Um, uh, the rest of you are readers, I guess. So anyway, if you're after, if you're after a good book to read, I think that is exceptional. Especially, especially if you're trying to figure out where I fit in this world, whether you're young or whether you're not so young, this book would really, I believe, help you in that journey. And, and, and that book will unpack in a more detailed way on how God views and values work and helps show the difference between who we are and what we do. And so... Um, so some of the thoughts I want to share briefly are addressed in this book that is available. And so what we've done over the years is we've limited this core, this word calling. What am I called to do? We limit that into a spiritual type career. We think that what we do on a Sunday is more spiritual than what we do on a Monday. And I'd like to suggest that maybe we've got that a little wrong. And so it's like we have two lives. We've got our spiritual life and our sacred life. Oh, sorry, our, our, our spiritual or our sacred life and our secular life. Our, our, our spiritual life or maybe our Sunday life. And we've got our Monday life. And now we can easily understand that what we do on a Sunday, well, you know, helping out with kids club, you know, helping around the service and hosting or, or setting up or music. We can understand that uh, that, that is sacred. We can understand, yeah, that makes sense. It's a church type of thing and that matters to God. Other things though that don't fall into our understanding of sacred or spiritual, we think, well, maybe, maybe God doesn't. They, those things don't matter to God that much. The sacred and the secular. So based on that definition of sacred being what we think is spiritual and secular being stuff that we don't consider spiritual, most of our life on the whole, if you think about it, most of our life falls into what box? Typically, we tend to think it falls into the 
Well, that's the sacred one. That's our, that's our church. That's our worship, our prayer, our evangelism, our Bible study, our mission. And the other one, our work, our education, the, our recreation, our eating, our sleeping, our entertainment. It's easy for us to say, hey, this is spiritual. This is sacred. This, is, this, this stuff matters to God. And some of us can think, well, this stuff doesn't matter to God. And the reality is, if you look at your life, the percentage of the time you commit to this side is far outweighed by the percentage of life you commit to this side on a practical sense. I mean, uh, church, that's one and a half hours, you can worship and prayer, but maybe, maybe, maybe 10%, 5% of your work week, of, your, of the hours in the week, could fall into this category. And so based on the definition of sacred and secular as one being more spiritual and one being less spiritual, it seems like the bulk of our week seems to be rather secular. Eating, sleeping, shopping, going to school, walking the dog, going to the gym, just everyday life. And it's very e you can see why it's very easy to feel that we don't measure up. Because most of what we do can seem meaningless, it can seem unspiritual, it can seem that it's really not going to make an eternal difference. And then we can get frustrated as we go through life and as we establish careers and lives and families, we wonder, you know, and what is what I'm doing with my life, is it really making a difference? And we can understand why, why people go through their, their midlife crises as they start to wonder, I'm closer to the end of my career than the beginning. What, am I, is what I'm doing making a difference to God? Is it making a difference to society or community? And we have this tension that comes up. Or we feel guilty because the stuff we're enjoying doing, just to others, it may not even seem spiritual. So I want to talk a little bit about this, then I want to have a chat and invite a few people to come and join me one by one. So I want to talk about the word spiritual. Uh, do you know there's no word in Hebrew for spiritual? Because for a Hebrew, all of life is spiritual. Look at this verse. Leviticus chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. When you present a grain offering to the Lord, the offering must consist of choice flour. You are to put olive oil on it, sprinkle it with frank. It's almost like making a pizza when I look at this. But anyway, bring this offering to the Lord, bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, and the priest will scoop out a handful of flour, moist it with oil, put margarita sauce and cheese on top, and put it in the oven. No, no, sometimes it does get burned. Anyway, you got my drink. Anyway, we do this, and, uh, and, and Leviticus is one of the, the, the first five books, the Hebrew scriptures, the Torah, the law. This is the anchor point for all of Judaism and their faith. This is what God's given them to, to map out their world and how to live. But you burn this grain offering, it's a special gift and it's pleasing aroma to the Lord. And you go, yeah, you know what? That is spiritual. That is sacred. And we get that. In fact, in Scripture, particularly the first, well, Leviticus and Deuteronomy particularly, um, they, they are full of hundreds of laws like this. Laws about the temple and about sacrifice and about holiness and about forgiveness and about worship and about justice and about, and, and about mercy. And we'd say, yeah, all those laws, hey, they are so sacred. They are spiritual. And then we come up to some other verses in the same books. Now this is, I'll just read it and then you can make of it what you want. If a man loses his hair and his head becomes bald, he is still ceremonially clean. And if he loses a hair on his forehead, he simply has a bald forehead. He is still clean. Good to know. Good to know. Just, just saying. 
How about this one? Uh, this is Deuteronomy. Don't charge interest on, home, on, on loans you make to fellow Israelites, whether you loan money or food or anything else. See, th th these things are fairly ordinary. The, the, these laws seem to be... In fact, you know what? There's hundreds and hundreds of laws that detail a whole bunch of things. What to do with your... When you go to the hairdresser or barber or... Or what you do when you go to the doctor. There's laws dealing with how you relate to your neighbour. There's laws dealing with your health, with your with your skin conditions, with your. There's laws to do with measurements and weighing stuff and, and economies and selling and giving and lending and living and and it is. In fact, in this book, there's so many laws about these things about how to clean your house, how to how to how to deal with situations that come up. It's full of them. Things that seem pretty mundane, things that seem pretty boring, things that seem pretty every, every day, pretty secular. But it's important to know that God also placed those laws in the Bible. In fact, God gets very detailed about the offering and how you do this and how you do that. It's, it's almost like all this detail and ordinary and mundane, it's almost like all that stuff matters. To God. And so then we get to the New Testament and the word spiritual uh, is, is mostly used by the Apostle Paul. And, and generally the word spiritual, when Paul uses generally, it means to be filled and animated by the Holy Spirit. And for Paul, for Paul, every part of life is meant to be spiritual. Everything we do is meant to be filled and animated and led by the Holy Spirit. Then we come to Jesus. In three years of his life that we're familiar with, hey, that was spiritual. He was ministering, he was healing sick, he was preaching, he was teaching, he was discipling, he was doing all this spiritual stuff. <coughs> but what about but what about the 15 to 20 years of his life as a carpenter? What, what, what was that less spiritual than the stuff he was doing in the three years later? I'm just challenged, I'm just, I'm just stretching your thinking, maybe. So if you were to ask Jesus about your, his spiritual life, <coughs> chances are he'd look at you and go, what do you mean my spiritual life? All of my life is spiritual. You see, for Jesus, there's no secular and sacred divide. For Jesus and his followers and his way, this, I've got to put the quote on the screen, but it says, John Mark Hammer in his book would say, for Jesus and his way, God wants to be involved in every square inch of our lives. Everything is spiritual and everything matters to God. Okay, a few more thoughts and then I'm going to get, I'm going to get L up in about three minutes. You're on notice. I want to talk about in, uh, in the Old Testament we had priests. Uh, and the priests also existed as part of the Jewish system in Jesus' day. And they were the, the priests were the ones that stood between heaven and earth. They were the ones that mediated between the Creator and the created ones. Priests in the Old Testament and in Jesus' day with Judaism, priests are the ones that represent God to everyday people. But then Jesus came and changed everything. In Timothy, Paul writes... For there is now there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. 
So we see out of the Old Testament and the, and the priesthood, the priest would be the one to, to be the conduit of heaven to earth. Jesus is now the one that connects heaven to earth, that, that restores and reconciles man and God. So no longer were the priests required to stand in the gap. Jesus made a way for us to be connected to God. And then the, the, the Apostle Peter went on to make a, an astounding claim in the letter that he wrote. He said, for you are a chosen people. <coughs> you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his life. Friends, we are all priests. You might be a doctor. You're a priest. You are, you are called to, to, to stand in the gap between heaven and earth. You are called to be a conduit of God's grace and God's goodness as a doctor to the earth. If you're a student, you're a priest. If you're a sandwich artist, just saying, you're a priest. If you're an engineer, you're a priest. If you stay at home with your kids or your grandkids, let me tell you, you are a priest called by God to stand in the gap between heaven and earth to be a conduit of His presence and grace from, to touch and reach those around you. If you're a scientist, you are a priest. A storeman, you are a priest. Now we understand that God is, that Jesus is the only one that can save mankind. But God says through Peter that we are likewise priests. We are called to connect people to God, connect heaven to earth, we represent Him. And we are the conduits of blessing to those around us. What I want to do in this first half of this message is let me tell you that what, who you are matters to God. It matters to God. What you do matters to God. You know, in, in, in John Marco's book, he'd say, you know, you might be, you, you might think, well, I'm a Christian plumber. There's no such thing as a Christian plumber. You're a plumber. Or I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian mechanic. Well, well, that, that, that you're, you're not. You're, you're a mechanic. You just happen to be a Christian. See, we, we give our lives and we, and when we do what we do, not because you're, you're a Christian thing. It's you're a Christian. That's who you are. But what you do, you take who you are into that space. What you do matters to God. Next week, I'm going to go a little bit deeper on calling. Because this morning, I'm exploring what calling looks like in touching the world. But I think we have two callings. We have, we have a calling to, to be who God's called us to be. But we do also have a calling, which we'll talk about next week, which is uh, to, to connect others in a real way to Jesus. And so, that's my intro, long intro, sorry. <coughs> so this morning I want to introduce a few people to you, and I want them to share a little bit of what their life looks like. I'll get Elf to come up, thanks. Elle's going to come up and turn the microphone on. Grab a seat. How are you? Good. Good, thank you. Great. Thanks, Hugh. Hopefully in these conversations between with Elle and, and a couple of others, we're going to get a glimpse, yeah, number one, on, on some things they do, but more importantly, how they are able to be a blessing and a conduit to others. So, um, first question I've got is, many people may not know this, but you're involved in leading a homeschool cluster-ish. Tell us about that. 
so me and my good friend, um, Stevie, we run a homeschool group that kind of started from just her and I meeting in our homes. So we would take turns hosting and teach each other's kids one day a week. And then other families decided that they wanted to join in and eventually we had, I think, five families and it just got too much to have in our home. So we started to um, meet just out places, doing social times about once a week. And it's now gotten to um, 70 kids that come every Thursday. <laughs> so that ranges from like one-year-olds because they're siblings of school-aged children up to Willow who's uh, 11. So yeah, we have a whole range of primary age kids that come and um, yeah, it's really great. And every second Thursday you're downstairs here? Yes, so we've decided to run it as a, um, so yeah, we come here on one Thursday and then the following Thursday we are doing more of a social Thursday where we um, just go for a bushwalk or go to the beach or do something less organised. Sure. Okay, so now although you meet here once a fortnight, is the Christian thing? Let's talk a little bit about that. No, it's, it's not advertised, well we don't advertise but we don't promote it as a Christian group. Um, which kind of ruffled some feathers, but we, we decided that it was more important to have people feel that they could come along and use it. We could use that as a type of evangelism. Yeah. Uh, which I think is, uh, is amazing that you've got a bunch of people that just want to be part of that. So, yeah. so um, uh, the question I was, uh, is, it, is its prime purpose, is it education or evangelism? What, what's its prime purpose? Yeah, we, we started it as more of a way to um, be together and have families feel that they could be connected in that way. Um, but then this year we decided to make it both. Yeah. Um, so I would say it is both a form of evangelism but a, a form of education. So we, that's why every second Thursday we come here um, and do a formal lesson. So one of us will actually teach the kids something that we've pre-organized for the term, and then um, and then the next Thursday is more the social, so we can just chat and have good connection time. So are you, are you, are you, are you doing Bible stories downstairs? No, no, we're not doing Bible stories. It's more um, like school teaching, however we, most people that come would know that we are Christians, that the main majority are. Um, so we do have God inserted in there, and definitely over Christmas and Easter time that comes out more obviously, but um, yeah, we, we keep it more school-based at this time. <laughs> which, which, which is great to talk to you about it because what I've just been sharing is that all of it is spiritual. Yeah. All of it is sacred. It's very easy for us to think whether you're homeschooling or whether you've got your kids in a, in, a, in a Christian school or a non-Christian school, all, all of life is, is sacred. Yeah. And so what you do matters to God. Mm. Um, tell us about some of the, have you had opportunities to, the language I was using a couple of weeks ago, 
sitting by the well? Have you had opportunities in your secular, you would typically fall in the secular box in our old way of thinking, yeah. but it's, it's, it's now all together. Yeah. Have you had opportunity to sit with people that maybe are far from faith and just, with, you, don't, you don't have to leave them to the sinner's prayer? Yeah. Not, not yet, but... Um, no, not yet, but, um, yeah, we've definitely had an opportunity to um, minister in a way of representing, I guess, the love and acceptance of God. Um, definitely just the wholesomeness of the group has spoken volumes to the non-Christians. The, the fact that there's such a group of people who are willing to put this on every week and um, provide this opportunity for their kids when they felt really alone. There's one particular family who had been doing homeschool for I think four years alone. They had not one other family to do this with and they are not Christians and when, they, when their son was doing soccer with one of the other family's boys, she, she actually said, are you a homeschool family? And was really awkward about it. But thankfully, they were like, yes, come along to our group. And they have just thrived. And they have a special needs child as well, which it's just meant so much to them to have this group that has accepted them and given them support. And, you know, we, I think we're the typical homeschool group. We make meals for each other and we share things and we do all those types of activities. And that has really... Um, just helped so much for those families that this is not normal life for them. This is, like they're used to doing it by themselves. And to see a group be so supportive has, I think, spoken the love of God to them. That's brilliant. So, yeah. uh, and part, part of the reason I want El to share, number one, let you know what's happening in the life of our church through our people. And I know there's many of you that are doing a lot of things. And so if I had time, we should interview everyone, but we don't have that much time. But I just want to affirm that what you do is incredibly important to God. You know, it doesn't need to be, you don't need to be teaching the Bible stories to be teaching Jesus. You know, at some stage, it's the opportunity, what you do, you do it to the best of your ability. You do it with the grace and the skills and the talents God's given you and the love. And you become a conduit to those around you. And in that, you'll get the opportunities to, to tell the story of Jesus in a meaningful way. So... That's really good. So, have you got any other thoughts about sacred, secular, and and that was on the list? I know that's yeah. why you're wondering. Um, no, I just, I just, I guess, really encourage anyone to really take this to heart. That the message that you're sharing is so important to remember that um, it's all worship to God as well. What we do is worship to Him, no matter what it is, and. So to do it with a joyful heart and to see him use you in those in those areas that you may not expect him to use you and it brings you so much joy like it just i love to see these families come together and and feel what they feel just because we decided to put it out there so yes it's great exciting. excellent well let's give ella a big hand I'm now going to invite the person, if you're sitting at a trivia night and you're going to have a, a question on music, uh, the person you want on your team is Stuart Gedney. So I'm going to invite Stuart, I'm not going to talk about music, Stuart, just letting you know. Uh, let's give Stuart a big welcome.
Music and sport, that would do, that's his happy place. Yeah. Is that right? There's a great story about Ned's uh, journey. I know we're not going to talk about Ned's journey, but it's very encouraging. Yeah. yeah. And don't forget all the geysers and, and Hamish's. Oh, yeah, that's true. And all the geysers, the Raw Challenge. And next awesome. year, let's, let's take, who wants to do the Raw Challenge next year with our church, church group? Okay, okay, we're going to take a photo of all those hands and maybe you're locked in. Was it, were you pointing at uh, Lindy or Liam? But, okay. <laughs> hey, Stuart, thanks for joining us. Uh, we've, we've chatted a fair few, fair, fair bit over the last number of years. We have. Um, and so, many, some of you know who you are. Uh, most of you know you as the, the heckler who yells out. There's a couple of hecklers I have. You're, you're, you're one of them, so uh, thank you for joining me here. Anyone want to heckle Stuart while he's here just to tell he knows what it's like? Yeah. Go for it. Go for it, Andrew. But Stuart, many people may not know what you actually do for work. Why don't you tell us a little bit what you do? So I'm a disability support worker for the Samaritans Foundation. Yep. Uh, who are one of the biggest um, NDIS providers in Newcastle, Lake Macquarie and up to mid-north coast region. But Samaritan's Foundation is actually the Anglican, um, or the social welfare arm of the Anglican Church. And Samaritan's was born in about 1984. And uh, its head office is next to where Dave Bean used to work at um, Warrabrook okay. yeah. Compassion. Yeah. So, so you're a disability support So I'm in the service of disability, but Samaritans looks after young people, yeah. aged care. Yeah. Um, it's very much, yeah, a massive yeah, yeah. organisation. And so in your particular role of disability yeah. support work, what does that look like on a, on a day-to-day? What does it involve for you? Well, it's, it's essentially caring, and, and you just mentioned social work before. Well, yeah, I've been involved in social work for about 30 years, but it's just another part of, of social work. Um, and it all depends on the needs of the person with the disability. So, um, and by the way, did you know that the International Day of Disability is the 3rd of December? So. Didn't just as an aside that I came across this week. But yeah, disability involves having physical, intellectual um, disability. Uh, I mainly, I've worked in both areas, so with people that have physical disability, um, so they uh, may be in wheelchairs, um, they may not be able to speak, they may need help with eating, but I've, I've been involved in day programs where they come into a centre and are involved um, with the program. I don't do that anymore. My current role is in outreach. So I go in my car to visit um, nine or 10 men um, on a fortnightly roster um, who can live independently, but they just need a little bit of help you know, with um, shopping, with um, taking medication is important, um, and just someone to be with them. Yeah. Would you consider this a job or a calling? Oh, well, I'm gonna have to go to the men over there. Um, 
who we all know very well, Mr Armstrong, and I remember him saying earlier this year, um, he flagged that what I do is ministry. Yeah. Uh, and because I have been in ministry roles, I used to be a youth pastor, um, for those that, a lot of you probably didn't know that, um, I do see it as, yeah, as a calling. Yeah, because um, it does involve, we talk about with Jesus the name Emmanuel, mm. which is about God being with us. Yeah. But it's, it's, an, it's about being present with people. Yeah. Now I still see this guy over here being with people and helping him in his 90s yeah. out in the community. Yeah. yeah. And that's all about just being present with people that sure. need someone. So, and, and in yeah. your role, um, are you allowed to talk about Jesus? How does that work? It's changed a bit. Okay. Because Samaritans is, as I flagged, a Christian organisation. But, yeah, in previous, in past years, it also has been a little bit more corporatised. And things have been tidied up and a little bit more politically correct mm. these days. Um, if a person raises God or Jesus, then that's an invitation. I'm allowed to, yeah, go off. If they are with a person, um, currently one of my clients um, is actually very good friends with a man that used to come to this church very often and is a friend of Charles. Um, and he talks about God to him all the time. But I have to be a little bit more careful about raising and about sharing my faith. Um, but again, um, a scripture that came up this week that was something that we've all probably heard is the one about being willing to listen and slow to speak. And, and that's a way that, again, we don't have to talk about God, but I think we model God when we are in our activities. And that's something that I've had do a lot of work on because I do like to have a chat um, but I have to use these a lot more in my everyday role because the people I'm with don't have a voice they're the people at the margins that you won't see um, but they're here and, and they need help and they've got a voice and so it's important for me to shut this down a little bit and use these it's certainly what I was touching on today in my message is trying to separate the sacred and the secular. Yeah. Everything you do, whether you speak the name of Jesus or whether you go in the name of Jesus, is, is important. It, it matters to God. And, and I, know, I know there's a bunch of other social workers or people involved in uh, disabilities yeah. in our church and our community. And I think you guys are... Uh, God, God places you in these positions and so... We're, I think we're all, all ministers. You know, we just get we just get paid by different people. You know, and so uh, it could be the school, could be the could be the church, could be Samaritans, could be the university, could be uh, could be Centrelink. You know, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't the, the income is independent of what we're called to do. And um, yeah. And so in, in your world, um, I, I want to affirm. I've, just, I've, I've told you this already. You know, what you do matters to God because you're extending yourself into people's world. Now your job puts you there. How can we be more aware of some of the needs around us in that, in that space? So not all of us have jobs that take us into those places. Well, I mean, 
you all would be familiar with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, like, I, I just see out in our community that there's increasing need. Um, you know, like, I'm often down in Hamilton, and just have your eyes open when you're walking down the street of Hamilton, and you'll see up to half a dozen people sitting on the side of the street with maybe a cap in front of them or maybe a sign and it says I'm homeless or you know I you know I've got no money or whatever I mean those people are out in our community um, but are we going to be you know um, we need to be reminded that we're all good Samaritans it's all within us but do we have that time just to stop and um, run across the street and maybe think about buying someone in need a sandwich or a drink? Um, particularly as it's getting warmer. Um, so, you know, um, last week Sam talked about Christians Against Poverty um, again, and he gave us all an invitation to consider um, in, in other ways where we can reach out to people who may not be right in front of us in our community. Um, and um, yeah, you can also give to Samaritans. It's a, it's a charity and has um, tax deductible, yeah. Um, but there are many other NDIS providers and, and situations and, and they need people. I've heard um, someone that um, has been involved in our church, has, her, her service has been advertising on Rima for um, people, um, and, and you don't, um, disability service, it does require some training and, and expertise, but there's a lot of need for people to come into um, the fold. So, you know, if God's speaking to you in that way, then pray about it, because I'm working with some people who are very young. It's an opportunity for young people, and I feel really blessed to see young people coming in and um, really, yeah, again, being like Jesus to the people that we look after. Yeah, but just say hello to people. Don't be scared of people that have a disability because they want to be normal. They want to, they're just like you and me. Just because they look a bit different or they sound different or noisy, they are people and God loves them. And, uh, and I think it's so good that you'll be willing to put yourself into places of poverty and you've probably exp experienced a lot of pain. You walk into situations of pain and hardship. And so how do you, how do you cope with that? Well, you've got to give it back to God. Um, fortunately, I'm connected to a church um, and uh, a group um, that I go to fortnightly. Um, I listen to um, a lot of podcasts on Rima. Um, there's a great one on Sunday nights for men um, called Momentum. Guys, if you haven't heard it, and even for the, the ladies, um, it, it was talking about relationships the last few weeks. So even, you know, indirectly, it's also speaking into our lives. Um, yeah, so I get encouraged that way. but. Sorry, Mark, but this is the point where I have to say music. <laughs> I have to say that... Christian music or non-Christian music? Both. Yeah. I listen to 
listen to both. I yeah. don't differentiate. Again, that's part of your point. And, and in right. fact, I derive a lot of meaning from a lot of secular, what you would define as secular music. I can see Christian messages mm -hmm. and, and I can interpret it. And again, I see that as a bit of a gift. Mm -hmm. And that's a way that I can talk. I have one client who's a guy, he almost feels like a brother to me because he loves music and, and we listen to CDs together. And we often talk about the meanings of music together. And, and again, uh, it's just, it's, that's where I get blessed. Oh, that's great. As well. So I'm very lucky. Yeah, good stuff. All right, well, Stu, thank you. And I just affirm you, what God does with you is so, so good. Okay. And, and none of us, we're all on a journey of trying to figure ourselves out. But if we can just be a conduit of blessing to someone else, whether we're paid or whether we're unpaid in that space, just to be there. God just gave me a scripture to share with everyone too. Um, and it's the one about whatever you do for the least of these, you do it for him. So I just wanted to offer that to you as something to reflect. Good stuff. Thanks, Thanks Jim. Thanks, mate. That's good And lucky last, I'm going to ask Sharon Nash to come and join me. Let's give Sharon a welcome. Hello, Sharon. Are you feeling less nervous now? Or more nervous? <laughs> Uh, thank, thank you for coming up and uh, being willing to share uh, this morning. Uh, so, like, uh, like, like Stuart, there's probably a bunch of you that know you really well and what you do, and, and there's probably another bunch that have no idea who you are. And so, let's take a moment and tell us what you do. Well, I'm, I work um, for Baptist Care as a chaplain in aged care. I, um, I work on the Central Coast. One day in Newcastle, though, on the Central Coast, I'm working at home services. So I go into people's homes and have one-on-one -on -one, um, talks with people. And on the day in Newcastle, I work in little villages that Baptist Care, that would be really the council flats that Baptist Care is for. And um, um, there's more affordable housing and retirement sort of living. So I, in, I, I go there as well. And, and so, unlike Stuart, who's a bit more politically correct because of the nature of the, the world of funding and Samaritans and what you can say or not, you're able a bit more to talk about Jesus or not? There's a little bit more freedom, but there's a lot of restrictions that's starting to come in of what you can do and, and what you have to accept as well. I have a wide range, my clients are such a wide range of people, mainly non-Christians, um, receiving help. and atheists to religious people to but mainly really lonely people so I get to as you said represent Jesus I get to um, and a lot of, I find a lot of um, older people have been hurt really badly by religion and it's they have a just from the years of experience I see that there is such a wrong view of who God is and I really think that chaplain's role is to really um, bring that love of God and bring him who he really is. Um, and we're called to be witnesses and, and it's individual. Each client is individual. And we're all individuals as chaplains. When I first started as a chaplain, I thought, oh, I had to learn how to be a chaplain and I failed miserably. I couldn't be anybody else. I had to be who I was and, and present Jesus to my clients, um, who I was. And the Lord keeps giving me the scripture of um, comfort those with the comfort I've given you in your suffering. So I've had a lot of practice at that, of receiving comfort 
from the Lord. And it just, I just have such a heart for um, not just aged people, I don't know why I'm working in aged care, it's with anyone that's been, that's hurting. And um, just to let them know that no matter how bad things are, that God loves them. But also we ought to get um, to remove wrong ideas of who God is, especially in the older generation. And then they're a generation that's so full of um, grief because they they have so many losses that they're experiencing, losses in their physical ability, loss in not working anymore, they can't drive a car anymore, loss of their friends, most of their friends have died, or family, um, and loss of respect. Our culture has, um, they feel that um, discarding by culture, they're not of value anymore, and it's, it's another privilege to bring how valuable, really valuable they are um, to them, because it doesn't matter, it's not about what you do, your value doesn't come from that, your identity doesn't come from that, so I have such an incredible privilege of um, telling them, you know, sometimes for the first time, even if they've been to church all their lives, just telling them how unconditionally God loves them and that they're incredible value. So it's um, a really blessed role that I have. It's not without its challenges. It's <laughs> not everybody wants to hear about, you know, everyone wants a chaplain. And um, I had one of my greatest um, pleasure too is that the atheists, the ones that go off about religion and go off about God blaming for everything, and just the softening of hearts. Just, I had one man that, you know, he used to be quite offensive and, but um, he, he, he allowed me to come and visit him. And he would, you know, you have to put up with a lot of um, negative talk. But, you know, just, just from just gaining, I think it's also about relationship. God's about love, he's about relationships. So it's just through, you know, being there for them. And um, so eventually let me pray for him. And he broke down a very hard man, been through some shocking things and done some shocking things. And he just broke down and he said, no one's ever offered to pray for me in his entire life. And I just, you know, I just wanted to weep. But, um, and God can change the hardest hearts. You know, we don't have to hit them over the head with or quote Bible verses. People know if you love them. That's my heart's desire, to leave their presence, that they may feel loved, that they may feel valued and accepted. So it's, it's being those living letters. You know, it's, um, and a witness, we're witnesses. We've got to, a witness only um, says what they've seen and heard for themselves. So we can only bring our relationship with God to them, how we see him, and bring that picture to them so they have an opportunity to see him and want to see them him for themselves. And they'll have a different picture once they go to them themselves, you know. So. And, and so, um, it's a, you're employed to do that, but I just know this, this is your nature. I mean, if you weren't employed to that, you'd be doing that anyway with whoever you come across. And you said before, it's a chaplain's job. But the question I had sent to you was, do we need to be a chaplain to love and to serve and help others? Not at all. Yeah. No, it's, it's having eyes to see us and God gives eyes to see people as he sees them. But it's, especially in chaplaincy, but in any, we've, we've got to learn to be better listeners. Just the power of listening. And so the people when can be, feel like they've been seen, feel like they've been heard. It's just such a powerful tool. But um, just the joy I see on my clients when maybe a relative has um, sent them a message or sent them a card 
the littlest thing can change someone's world, just a little bit of attention and actually listening to what they're saying because I've got, everybody's got a story and they're just incredible stories that people have that it's a privilege to hear their stories. Yeah. Uh, but if I contrast your and say Stuart's role, mm -hmm. um, yours is typically seen as in the sacred sphere because it's a chaplain, it's, it's spiritual, that's, that's what the chaplain's meant to do. Uh, Stuart's role is probably seen in the secular, secular sphere at the moment, but, but both men of God. And I, I just want to, again, affirm to each one of you, what you do matters to God. Whether, whether you're a chaplain, whether you're a social worker, whether you're a, someone just trying to raise a bunch of kids with us, others in a, in a homeschool scenario, or whether you're a, a teacher or any, it, it matters to God. And I think, um, Sharon, your ability just to, to be a conduit of love to whoever, you, whoever stops long enough with you um, is, is, is a wonderful thing. Um, the last question I have, and then, then we'll be finished. What specific thing can we talk about older generations? And we do live in a culture that has an increasing elderly uh, population. Uh, what specific thing can we do to encourage, speak over, or to, to help or reach or to touch and to bless some of our older people? I guess starting with is just to notice them um, and to value them, the, the wealth of wisdom and experience that they've had. We can actually learn so much from people, even broken people, even hard people, <laughs> tough people. Um, you, we can learn so much from them, but it's just, first of all, noticing and, and listening, being better listeners. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. So uh, well, thank, thank you for your time. I'm sure people ask you questions later, but. I'm just mindful of that time as well. So please give Sharon a big hand. So, um, yeah, look, I just wanted to introduce you a few. As I said, we've got a bunch of people. I know all of you are in different spheres, different places, different work, different situations and studies and businesses and careers. I want to tell you what you do matters. But I'm not, I'm not a chaplain. It doesn't matter. What you do matters to God. But, but I'm, I'm not a social worker, it doesn't matter. What you do matters to God. But I'm, I, I haven't got any kids, I'm, I'm single, and it doesn't matter. Your status doesn't, doesn't matter because what you do and who you are matters to God. And so uh, I'm going to pray in a moment, but I just want to thank each one. I know, I know across our church we've got so many of you being a conduit of God's grace, and that's what He wants us to be. Whether we're, a, whether we're an event, or a social worker, or a teacher, or a tiler, or an engineer, or an IT specialist, or an athlete, or a cleaner, or a, or a surveyor, or a student. I'm sort of picking people's going across, and then, or, or an installer of blinds and windows. It doesn't matter what you do, or a, or a lawyer, or a, you know what, God, it matters to God. And, and in that space, you be the best you can be. You, 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 and then I'll talk about this a little bit next week. In what you do, you can bring glory to God. And in what you do, you can show others that there's a God in heaven who cares for them and loves them, is interested in them, because you, he's positioned you beside the well with them. So um, let's put a hand together for those who shared this morning.